Hey, welcome now to Write a Novel. Another nice rainy day. Let's have my equipment get rained on. I think I've only got the, uh, it's, yeah, mostly covered up. I don't know, whatever, man. It's probably dangerous to let uh, rain get on electronic equipment. But on the other hand, I've had this recorder for a long ass time and uh, it's been rained on like a hundred times and it's still fine. Maybe eventually this rain will break it, but think of those hundred times that I got to use it without worrying. It's like, it's worth it just to not worry about your shit breaking. Because if it breaks, it breaks, and if it doesn't, then you saved yourself a lot of worry about something that wasn't going to happen anyway. And the plus side to rainy days is uh, less people around. Less people. So, uh... I can't remember if I said this before. I've done quite a few episodes of this podcast now. And there's a lot of redundancy to writing. That was kind of the idea, those first couple of months where I did a podcast every day. Part of the plan was just to uh, really chronicle what the daily grind is like. And it's extremely repetitive. I mean, this is just a repetitive task. To write a book, you just got to write every day. And the next day you write some more, and the next day you write some more, and that's it. The actual stuff that you're writing should uh, theoretically always be exciting and a new, uh, a new challenge, a new fucking puzzle to un-fucking-ravel. It should not be rote and uh, repetitive. But the actual act itself, the actual... Uh, habit that you need to establish that that's the definition of rote and repetitive I'm sure there's some kind of saying about that which I can't think of but you know how uh, how a mundane routine really is what you need as a base to make fantastically exciting cool creative shit two sides to every coin everything's a paradox yada 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 so anyway, what I wanted to mention, a couple things, but uh, I took a streetcar downtown Toronto. I mentioned before how this queen car, it's very slow, takes for fucking ever. But uh, I left the house crazy early this time, and I still barely made it to where I was trying to get to in time. I wasn't late for once, but I only made it there like 15 minutes early, even though I left hours ahead of time. But anyway, yeah, this queen car, it's very busy, very slow and it's the kind of thing that would normally be like maddening you know where I got on real early really close to where this streetcar originates so I got a seat way in the back and I got all packed in people all around me I was even kind of half pushed off my seat just crammed in the corner of this streetcar people all over and then people all packing more and more into the streetcar as it went. Just very stuck. Literally stuck, but it even just feels, you feel mentally encroached upon. It's uncomfortable. It's just like, ugh. All these people. And everyone's just packed in like sardines and fucking this streetcar is so slow. Just inching its way down the street and stopping at all the stops and stopping at all the stoplights and stopping for traffic and just... Just sitting on this goddamn thing for like a fucking hour. 
which if I was just staring out the window, it would drive me fucking nuts. I hate, I hate sitting like that. Like I like, I, I walk a lot just cause I like walking more. I hate waiting for transit. I hate being on transit. Even if it takes three times longer, I would usually rather walk cause just walking feels good. I like the feeling of walking. And even if I was like listening to a podcast or even like watching a fucking movie on my phone, like eventually it's just gonna, it's gonna buy me 20 minutes, but then I'm just still gonna be like, I hate this. I hate how this feels. I feel terrible. I wish I could just get off this thing. I'm getting stir crazy. I'm getting uncomfortable with all these people. But the beauty of writing on, uh, I've got my little, my old Motorola droid in my pocket my outdated smartphone that has the little slide-out keyboard got a little text editor on it I do most of my writing, my first draft writing, on this little phone that's so convenient because it's right in my pocket, it's not even like a laptop or a netbook or anything maybe you could establish a habit of writing consistently on a touchscreen other people do seem to be better at touchscreens than I am but uh, Lord knows I can't, that is, uh, I need the keyboard. But yeah, just having this little thing right on me, so convenient, always at hand. Like when I'm caught in these situations, where I'm stuck on transit, I'm just stuck somewhere. I never don't have the tools I need to get some work done. And in fact, day by day, this is how I get work done. This is how I do my little daily routine. How I remove the barriers where it's a nice thought to like oh I've got this uh, desk in this one corner of my house and that's where I always sit and write or I've got my laptop and I'll put it in my book bag and take it to the coffee shop and I'll write that's all pretty reasonable but any barrier I think you should try to remove because it's so easy to be like ah well I just wasn't home a lot today Never, never had a chance to sit down at the old desk. Or uh, I left the house in a hurry. Didn't have my fucking, my book bag. Didn't have my little satchel with my, my netbook in it. I like the, the phone in the pocket thing because it's always there. There's never a time when I don't have it. Any little lost time or in-between time of the day, I can just pull it out. And it's great because not only did I get my writing done for the day because I definitely wasn't going to after that. I went to like a pub trivia night and then we went to a second bar and just like it was just hanging out and drinking for the rest of the night. So I got my work done on the way there on the streetcar and it literally flipped it around where instead of this ride on the streetcar just being this interminable horrible <laughs> claustrophobic stir crazy inducing misery ride it was almost the opposite completely I mean by the end by the very end I was starting to get a little antsy like okay I'm ready to get out of here but it was like the last five percent of the journey before that started to hit me the rest of it I was like thankful for the downtime I was like this is great because like this is the ultimate situation in which to get work done because there are no distractions possible like I've said, I don't have a data plan on my real phone. I do have a movie or two on there. You know, I got a copy of Sleepaway Camp because uh, 
We're going to do a commentary track for it on my other podcast, the Prison Wallets podcast, available at keithcourage.com. I mean, I could find ways to procrastinate if I really wanted to. But I totally didn't want to. I wanted to work because I wanted to remove myself from this sardine can situation. I want to sink away and disappear into the world of writing, into the world of working on my little stories, so I won't be mindful of being stuck on the streetcar. And it makes that whatever, it was probably 40 minutes, realistically, that I was on there. Felt like an hour, but it was probably 40 minutes, maybe 45. And man, just super productive, just super great, of like, just no downside at all. I'm getting where I need to get to. I'm saving myself from feeling frustrated and uncomfortable by my streetcar ride. And I'm doing the thing that isn't the main thing that's important for me to do every day, which is to get a little step further on my writing. And it's a little bit like being in prison for 45 minutes, you know, and it's like I got nothing else I can do. I really I really got to work. I think that's why I almost never do work at home. I usually go to a coffee shop somewhere. Is it's like the different stages of like being trapped in a streetcar. That's the ultimate. Like the shackles are on. I couldn't get off this streetcar if I wanted to, pushing through all these people. All I can do is sit and wait. So I got to write. So let's do it. Like that's the greatest funneling or focusing of my attention into writing. Going to a coffee shop is uh, still pretty good. There's usually some Wi-Fi I can connect to, but it's, uh, it's almost shocking how little there is to do on the internet. I don't really have Instagram. I started an Instagram for a little while just to take pictures of weird old toys and stuff that I found at my mom's house. But I kind of abandoned that, so I don't have Instagram. I don't remember my password, so I can't flip through that. Uh, You know, Twitter, I've just, like, always been very selective with who I follow. I follow, like, 40 people. And Twitter just seems to be dying. Like, a lot of times it's like, okay, well, three new tweets. All right, I'm all caught up. Check Facebook. Sometimes my friends said something funny. Sometimes they didn't. I don't know, maybe it's like a momentum thing. Maybe you've got to spend more time on the internet to build up that ability to spend more time on the internet. Like, I guess I could start fucking browsing Reddit and shit. I guess I would just find things to do if my goal was to find things to do on the internet. But a coffee shop's pretty good because I'm pretty well-trained. My subconscious is pretty well-trained. Like, all right, we're going to go to the coffee shop. We're here to do some work. Whereas at home, I mean, at home, that's where there's all the stuff, you know? That's where I've got my full computer. That's where I got the internet. That's where right now I got a PlayStation because I borrowed a PlayStation from somebody. That's where there's all the distractions in the world. And I don't like trying to fight those distractions. I just don't have it in me. Like, I just long ago gave that up of like, if I'm going to write every day, if I'm going to write consistently, and get something done every day. I need to make this as easy for myself to do as possible. I don't want to put a bunch of barriers in front of myself. I don't want to put a bunch of distractions. I don't want to put a bunch of, uh, what's the word? 
when you want something. <laughs> Enticements? That is not the word I'm thinking of, but it'll do. Being at the coffee shop just cuts away so many of those, so many options. It's like, well, there's not really much to do here besides do some work. And being on the streetcar, there is nothing else to do. And in fact, I actively want to deny my surroundings and ignore that I'm on the streetcar. So it's just cool, man. It just fucking takes a, uh, a bad situation, an in-between time, just a wasted time in the day, the time of misery when everybody's just on the fucking streetcar, miserable, crammed next to their fellow man, waiting to get wherever they're trying to get to. It turns that right around into like the most productive time. Turns it into a bonus. That's just great. That's such a neat thing. Modern tech can really help with writing. No more need to sit down at the roll top desk. Make sure your parchments are uh, well stocked. Make sure there's no ink clots on your fucking quill. Now you can just pull a goddamn smartphone out of your pocket that you got for $40 and write some shit. It's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, and also, what made it extra super great to be trapped on the streetcar is uh, I was saying before how I was really stuck at this part that I'm writing. Just like, oh no, like I really think I'm really going down the wrong path. I'm like really kind of very hard to untangle this particular problem. Again, because writing is so abstract, only I can know what is right in my own brain because there is no blueprint and no path you can follow because it's just a story. It's abstract. It's just symbology that is supposed to impart information to someone else. Only I can know what's wrong and how to fix it. And I didn't know. I was real stuck. But I kind of had a nice little breakthrough while I was trapped on the streetcar. And for the next chapter, I mean, I just wrote out really scant notes. Just all lowercase, no proper punctuation, just real quick, blurted out, blah 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 happens, this person says this, not even the actual dialogue, just they're gonna say this type of thing, then they're gonna respond with this type of thing, and they did it. Like half a page of that shit. And it's just like, oh, good. Now tomorrow, I'll look back at that and make sure it's better and going in a more fruitful direction, and then I'll write it out properly. Then I moved on and worked on some other stuff on the streetcar. So that's all I did for my main novel was just this one little quick burst, but man, I, those are like, they're so valuable. I love those little bursts that just like, just cut the Gordian knot, you know? Like you were stuck and now you're unstuck. And just that, oh, it's such a good feeling of like, oh good, tomorrow when I sit down, I've got a little blueprint laid out that seems like the right thing to do. Whereas yesterday I had it could be this, or it could be this, or it could be this. And deep down, I was like, I don't think it's any. I think these are all bad. <laughs> like, God, it's such a bad feeling, such a bad spot to be in. But I think that's also why most people aren't going to be writers. You know, this is why it's hard to do this and hard to stick with it. Is because you're going to be stuck in that situation over and over and over and over. That's going to happen to me a hundred thousand more times in my life. And I just got to... It's never going to be easy. Every time it's going to be a weird abstract puzzle and I just got to figure it out every time over and over. It's not pleasant, you know? If it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy and fun all the time, everyone would just be a writer. I think that's one reason why uh, 
like Hollywood scripts and stuff are so bland because they're so big on group processes of like just rewriting stuff. Yeah, let's just rewrite it again. Who cares what it was like before? Who cares if the rewrite's better or worse? Just rewrite it. Rewrite it three times. Rewrite it eight times. Get a focus group in there. Anything to avoid that moment. Anything to avoid that feeling of personal accountability. Because it is a terrible feeling. It's the feeling of hanging off the cliff. And it's like, is this the moment that it all ends? Is this the moment that I don't figure it out? Is this the moment that I realize I can't do this? Nobody likes to feel that way. But if you face up to feeling that way, and if you allow yourself to feel that way, and if you overcome that moment, that's what makes you a great writer. That's what makes you write cool, great shit. Where if you just find some way to bypass that feeling with some shitty group or some goddamn factory process of writing, just so you don't have to feel unsure, just so you don't have to feel bad about yourself, you're just gonna pump out a bunch of trash that sucks. But anyway, yeah, I got past that that particular moment and uh, feels good, man, feels real good. All right, so the other thing I wanted to say, I'm not really big on giving stylistic advice. There's like some general things. I'd say you should probably not be too fancy and flowery. But hey, maybe you should. I don't know. I mean, all that stuff's subjective. I don't like it, but hey, my, maybe, I guess, right? I think it's better to follow what you like and what you think will be good and what you want to do and for it to go wrong than to have things go wrong because you're trying to follow someone else's advice. Like, I've talked in the past about weird writing teachers that say stuff like, said is dead. Never use the word said. Always find another way to, to say that. Which is insane advice, terrible advice, and just like cripples these poor kids that are learning these things that they're trying to follow this fucking advice that is terrible and groundless and baseless. Or in my case, it was the uh, show don't tell. I took that way too much to heart for way too long, really trying to just show internal landscapes of people by describing their face. It's fucking impossible. No one's gonna understand what you're trying to do. There's only so many ways you can describe the movement of a brow <laughs> that have any meaning. It's terrible, terrible idea. And it's just because I heard that from someone and I just presume that's what you should do. And pretty much any advice, no matter how well-meaning, maybe it's applicable now, at this current time in history, maybe it'll look ridiculous in the future. Or maybe you're doing something weird now that in the future people will be like, that dude was ahead of his time, that's awesome. So mostly I don't think you should follow advice. That being said, I would like to offer a small piece of advice. And it's real simple, but the advice is just, do not write a paragraph that's only one sentence. Don't do it, you know? If it's dialogue, of course, that's fine. One line of dialogue, one paragraph, that's, that's fine. But if it's a, just a descriptive sentence and the whole paragraph is one sentence, I want you to really take a hard look at that and really think about it 
and see if there's any good reason for it to be its own paragraph or if you could just attach that sentence to the end of the previous paragraph and everything would be fine. Because basically, the one-sentence paragraph is grade A douchebaggery. It is so lame. If you're doing it for a joke, that's okay. But if you're doing it in a dramatic sense of like, this is the one, this is the bombshell sentence. Oh shit, can you fucking believe it? Look at this right here. I hate that. I fucking hate it. And I got practical examples because they just happened today. So I was at a, uh, a used bookstore and I was like, fuck it, man. Let's get a book or two. It was raining, had to get out of the rain. And uh, I can't remember what the last book was that I just finished. Oh, yeah, it was a book about a kid with uh, a horrifying degenerative disease. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But it's been, it's been like three weeks since I finished that book. I try to only, you know, read one book at a time. Just because I don't want to uh, burden myself with too much stuff. I travel a lot. So I don't want to be dragging around a lot of books I'm not reading. So if I can't finish like one book, then, then you know, I got to fucking shit or get off the pot. So I was looking through these books and I saw there was an Ursula K. Le Guin book. I don't remember which one. I've never read her stuff. I don't really know very much about her. And you know, it's on my list. One of these days, gonna read some of her books. But this book, it was not a particularly great deal. It wasn't marked down very much. And, uh, and I flipped it open and that's what I saw. Well, the first thing I saw was a paragraph that was only one sentence. I don't remember what the sentence was. I would have uh, said it to memory, but I didn't realize I was going to do a podcast about it today. But just immediately, I just thought like, oh man, come on. And <laughs> like, I'm very full of myself. I'm very self-important, for sure. I take my dumb shit way too seriously. I have my little fantasies about writing some book that'll change the goddamn world. But I'm not saying that's necessarily a good way to be. I mean, it's not a terrible way to be, because sometimes, sometimes to make something great, you've got to be kind of full of yourself. You've got to be kind of full of shit. Otherwise, you just wouldn't attempt these things. You know, you wouldn't overreach so far if you didn't have these, like, delusions of grandeur in your mind. I always think of it musically as, like, Axl Rose or Billy Corgan. You don't write a 10-minute song unless you're fucking full of yourself. But those guys have both written amazing 10-minute songs. So I'm glad they were full of themselves, because otherwise they wouldn't have tried to do that. So there's a certain benefit to that kind of douchebaggery. But I can also identify my own, you know? Like, just to do that. Just to be sitting there, writing your book, and you hit the carriage return, you start a new paragraph, you type one sentence, and then you make a new paragraph, and it's just like, yeah, fucking eat that, fuckers. Think about that. That thing I just said, boosh. Huh, isn't that some shit? Isn't that fucking weighty? Isn't that fucking serious? 
Ugh. Just, just don't do that. Oh yeah, so then the reason I decided to do, to, to mention it, is because the book I did buy was Metro 2034. I started playing the first Metro video game. And I didn't get very far, but I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. And it's based on this series of Russian books, similar to uh, The Witcher. I started playing the first Witcher game. Didn't get very far, but it seemed cool. And uh, instead I started reading The Witcher stories because it's based on some Polish books. And in both cases, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'll read some of the books first. And then later on, I'll play the video games and, you know, just see how they fucking connect. So Metro 2034 is the second book in the series. It's about post-apocalyptic scenario where it's really cool. It's uh, that the Moscow subway system is the largest bomb shelter in the world. So when the bombs went off, when the fallout happened, when the apocalypse happened, the nuclear apocalypse, all the people that happened to be in the Moscow subway that day, they survived. And as far as they know, they could be the only ones. And it's about the society that has developed in the ensuing 20 years of being trapped in the subway. And I don't normally start at book two, but I like when things just come into my life, you know? Like, I didn't go on Amazon and order this thing. I just happened to find it today. And it was marked way down. And I'm like, fuck it, let's just try it. Let's just try book two. Maybe it'll be cool. Maybe it'll be neat to jump in. It's worth the gamble. And I'm reading it along and it's like pretty cool, pretty neat little thing. I only read one chapter so far. But I'm like, this could be good. I think this could be really cool. But then that guy did it too. He's describing uh, this one particular metro station that's in a really precarious spot, a really dangerous spot where these weird irradiated monsters that have developed on the on the surface, keep getting in and attack it from all sides, but they can't block off all the routes into the station because it's also the station where there's water, and the water that comes from all these different routes is the major source of hydroelectricity for a huge part of the underground. Just a really cool scenario. Like, I just, I'm liking everything about this so far. And it wasn't a big deal, but he did that thing. He's just like, the station's Achilles heel was its lack of ammunition. That's a whole paragraph. And I was just like looking at it and I'm like rewriting it in my head of like, if you just said that at the end of the previous paragraph, that would be fine, you know? Like, it's already an incredibly brutal situation. I'm definitely feeling the pressure. I'm definitely feeling the brutality of the scenario. And then to hit me with a little cherry on top, the little zinger, it's like the little fucking <laughs> Betty Boop, 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 bee doop, boop. This is how bad it is, the fucking, it's that one step too far that doesn't make it seem cool. It doesn't make it seem more intense. It makes it seem less intense because it seems silly. It seems like you're giving me a little wink and man, this is the most boring podcast in the world, <laughs> just talking about the ludicrous minutia of writing. But I saw it twice today, and I'm like, I gotta bring it up. Just don't fucking do that, man. I write very small paragraphs, a lot of it because I do write on a phone, 
I think I sometimes don't realize how short my paragraphs are. Once I export my writing off of the, the phone onto a proper computer, it's like, wow, these are a lot of very staccato paragraphs. And I may or may not do something about that on the second pass. But I do have kind of a, a distorted view. I can't really tell how short my paragraphs are because they're all crammed under this little tiny phone. But they're not one sentence. Just, I just can't think of a time when that's ever a good idea to do. Except, like I said, maybe as a joke. Maybe that could work. But as far as a dramatic, straight-ahead fucking story, it's just... It just really rubs me the wrong way. It's just real bad. It's just bad, okay? It's just bad. So again, I'm not saying just follow my dumb rule. Because who knows, whatever. Follow your own muse, follow your own style, do whatever you want. But at least think about it. If you find yourself writing a single sentenced paragraph, try connecting it to the previous paragraph and just see if it doesn't make you seem 10% less like a big fucking idiot. <laughs> just give that a try and just see how it goes. Do it for me. Thank you. All right, that's enough rambling in the rain. For song of the day, I just want to play, this is a little weird lost song. There's this band called Chronic Future that had one semi-hit in the mid-2000s called uh, Time and Time Again or something like that. I only heard it because I had one of those Warp Tour compilations and that song was on it. But I liked that song so much that I always uh, meant to go back and dig into that band. So just recently I started doing that, and just like always, it never pays off, it's never worth it. There's a reason there was the one song that was popular, because that's the one song that was, that was good. But I did finally find one other song, I think it's called All Things Considered, and I just think this is weird, it's just like this little forgotten mid-2000s band with a forgotten mid-2000s song that it's just weird to think of all the songs that have just disappeared forever, that no one will ever think of ever again. And maybe this was one, but I really do like this song. And this band's whole thing is that they kind of mishmash together everything at the same time. So this starts with the kind of emo singing and breaks into the fucking MC rapper guy. It's definitely of its era, so let's all teleport back to the mid-2000s and listen to Chronic Future. And thank you for putting up with my rambling, and I'll see you next time.
when it's crunch time. Good hunch that most of these bump rides come from a good place. The way food tastes when hunger's a school face. Younger like glue sticks. It's ludicrous for two shits. Giving these days to how who your crew spits. We want blood, want dirt, want mud. Throw those guns in the club, I show love. You're so thug with your slugs. The gold rush It's the ice age of cold crush. You want lust, you get fucked and be stuck. Stuck with nice legs and no trust. Go get yourself bike pegs to go bust. Tricks on a bitch, cheating up like cold cuts. Sheets on a body open, so flip flop. Another jagged giant double hip hop. Fact.